in my darkness Jesus found me. Touched my eyes and made me see. Broke sin's chains that long had bound me. Gave me life and liberty. Glorious love of Christ, my Lord divine, that made him stoop to save a soul like mine. Through all my days in that inhabitable, my song will silence never. I'll worship him forever and praise him for his glorious Son, what wonder, he became the sinner's friend. Oh, glorious love of Christ, my Lord divine, that stayed him stoop to save a soul like mine. Through all my days in that in heaven above, my soul will silence never. I'll worship him forever and praise him for his glorious love. My song will silence never. I'll worship him forever and praise him for his glorious love. And praise him for his glorious love. And praise him for his glorious love. just lingering right there for a bit. <laughs> it's a great song. Uh, my, my, my wife and I were first married. Our pastor in Virginia used to sing that song. And uh, I used to love him when he sang it, and, but I never pictured at that time that one of my sons would be singing that same song as a grown man. God's gracious. Let's turn our, our Bibles to, uh, to Genesis chapter 39. Uh, we're doing a series on the life of Joseph, and uh, this will be number three in that series. Um, yesterday, uh, Elizabeth and brother, brother uh, Rich Hadley and Elizabeth... Uh, Hadley, they're traveling this weekend as well. You can pray for them. But they, they mentioned that there were some, uh, some, some food packets that, that were uh, being made available. And, uh, and so we, we, we did distribute some of that, that food, but there's, there's a lot of food over there in the, uh, in the kitchen area next door. Uh, and so I'd invite you to just uh, to, to get that. 
there's gallons of, uh, there must be, I don't know, 10 or 12 gallons of milk over there in the fridge. Just grab a gallon uh, or two and take it, take it with you. Um, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't wrestle over them or anything, but uh, uh, just uh, distribute those over there. And then there's boxes of food. I mean, potatoes and carrots and onions and yogurt and cheese, uh, just a whole bunch of good stuff. And so please, we can't have that over there really beyond today. And so if you're, if you're able to use any of that, just go into those boxes there and everything. Just go, go get, get, get what you need. Just, just uh, use it or distribute it. Um, we don't want it to go to waste, all right? So please remember after the service, just go next door. We'll have that open over there. We'll just go in and just uh, get that food out. And don't be shy about it. Uh, the Lord provided that for you. The Lord gave it to you, so you need to get that blessing uh, from it, all right? Okay, so we're in, uh, we're in uh, Genesis chapter 39 here. And uh, we had a message, uh, the first message, God functioning amidst the dysfunctional. And the story really of Joseph demonstrates that. Uh, Joseph came from what we would call a dysfunctional family. Uh, but yet we see that God was working throughout that whole situation. And the key verse there in uh, Genesis 50, uh, verse 10, that it talks about the fact that, you know, there were many in, 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 uh, in Joseph's life that, that, that meant evil towards him. They had ill intentions towards him, but God turned it all for good, and ultimately to help many other people. And that was a key verse that we saw there, God functioning amidst the dysfunctional. The second message was uh, the message Joseph, looking at his early years, Joseph from pampered boy to the pit of breaking. And just we saw the necessity there of there coming that, that place in our life where we come, we come to the end of ourselves. Until we come to the end of ourselves, who do we serve? We serve ourselves. When we come to the end of ourselves, we see that there's a bigger cause out there. There's a cause that's bigger than me. And unless we go through that, that, that pit of breaking and that journey to Egypt, as it were, through which we, 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 we kind of are stripped away of everything else that we might look to, you know, to, 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 to gratify ourselves, we sadly might never come to that point of moving beyond just a self-centered, pampered boy, as it were, to that place of being broken and put back together and usable uh, for Almighty God. And, uh, and so we saw uh, that in, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37. Today, in, uh, in, uh, we're going to look at the third part in the series in Genesis chapter 39. And so we're going to start at that pit of breaking, Joseph, from the pit of breaking to prosperous beginnings. From the pit of breaking to prosperous uh, beginnings. So let's ask that the Lord uh, helps us with that this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd be with me now as I speak. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd open up this passage to us and the truth of it as only you can. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It says here in chapter uh, 39, something remarkable. It tells us that Joseph, after he arrived in Egypt, it says, was brought down to Egypt, verse 1, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. So you had this guy here. He's basically the head of security for the most powerful man in the world. He was the head of security um, for Pharaoh. And so a pretty important man, and that's who Joseph was sold to as a slave. And so it says here, 
bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down uh, thither. And then in verse 2, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a, look at that, a prosperous man. Now think about that. He had just been rejected by his brothers, sold not once but twice, and he had made that long trek of, uh, of, of hundreds of miles from the place that he lived down to Egypt as a slave. And now he finds himself in a place where he doesn't know the language, different culture, totally different setting than what he was used to. I mean, he was a favored child, and now he's, he's just a servant. He's not only a servant, he's literally a slave. And so you can think of everything that, that Joseph must have had, that he had to prosper at this time. And that's why it's so remarkable that we see that phrase there, because, you know, I mean, if I were to look at, at, at some of the young men here that are on a path to be able to have, you know, successful careers, they, they've, they've studied, they've been prepared, uh, they're, they're honed, they maybe have a job offer, and, uh, and they're starting to make an income, and they, they have... Uh, you know, projection of being able maybe to make a lot of money in the future. You say, yeah, you know, there's a prosperous young man right there. But we look at Joseph, and I mean, humanly speaking, is that your definition of a prosperous man? <laughs> it wouldn't be our human definition, but yet it's right there in the Bible. It says Joseph was a prosperous man. And so we're going to see really today what, what, what made it so he was prosperous. Why did the Bible uh, say that about him? And what we have to realize is, by virtue of what we already looked at in the series, is that Joseph, on his way down there, after that, that pit that his brothers threw him into, that journey paved in Joseph's heart a arrival upon truths which he never deviated from that point on that we can see. Something happened in Joseph's heart that made him one of the most prosperous men that we see in the Bible. One of the greatest examples of a godly person that we have in God's work. Now, it could have been totally different, right? I mean, if upon that journey that he was in, where some bad things happened to Joseph, where really there was a lot of injustice in his life, if he had reacted in anger to that injustice, his life would have been totally different. If he had gotten bitter because of that injustice, his life would have been totally different. If he had come to the point where he went left instead of right in his heart, we never would have had him as the example of prosperity that the Bible lays out for us here uh, today. Now, really there's a great picture of, of salvation when it comes to, to Joseph's life. Because if you think of it, we're all on that journey where we feel like we have to do it ourselves. We feel like we have to accomplish it ourselves. We feel like we have to find a way in life to be successful ourselves. And when it comes even to eternal life or any concept of being able to gain favor with what we may think is God or, or any sense of eternity, there's so many people in the name of religion that are just trying to, to do enough to be able to accomplish that. And so what the gospel shows us, what the good news is, you know, it's bad news if we have to try to do it ourselves. Because the Bible says that, you know, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And if it just ended there, that'd be really bad news. 
But the good news, the good news is that God made a way for us. And so the journey that God takes us on is, is coming to that point of realizing that we're totally dependent on, on him. That we come to the end of ourselves. That we come to that pit of breaking. That we realize, you know, I'm here in this pit and I can't dig my way out. <laughs> and everything to, my, to, this, to this point was all about me, but I realized that there's somebody beyond me and he really wants to reach down into that pit, take me out of there, and he wants to help me take those steps towards a true heart's relationship with me. Now here's the thing. This is how a lot of people approach the gospel, okay? They say, if it's really good news, then once I get a relationship with God, then everything should always go perfectly all the time. Now, how many of you have had that experience as a Christian? That's kind of depressing. None of you? The illustration that I heard once really helped me, and maybe it'll help you, is if you were to be on a flight, and the flight attendant were to come up to you and say, uh, here, I want you to put this parachute on while you're on this flight. You'd be like, okay, why do I want to do that? Right? That's already kind of a little disconcerting, right? Now put this parachute on because I'll tell you what, uh, if you put this parachute on, I promise you, you'll have a better flight. So you'd be like, okay, well, I mean, if it's going to give me a better flight, then why not? I'll give it a shot, right? I'll put the, I'll put the little backpack thing on there, the parachute, if it's going to give me a better flight. And so they put this parachute on, and not soon after that, and I saw some footage of this recently, and this can be a scary thing. I've been in planes where this happened. You hit some really bad turbulence. And you're going along fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, right? And you feel your, your stomach coming up into your throat, and, uh, and you're, you're closing a little tray because the snack you had on there is going to fall off. And you're thinking, whoa, she promised me I was going to have a better flight. I mean, I put the thing on. And now look at all this turbulence. You're taking this wild ride, and, and, uh, and maybe the little thing comes down, and you've got to put your oxygen on. Have you ever had that happen? I had that happen once in Spain. And I thought, this is what they always talked about, man. <laughs> I put this on because, uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like it's going to be really bad if we don't. So anyways, uh, and you think, man, you know, I put the thing on, and this flight isn't going so great. And then the turbulence gets a little better. It's not so bad. And uh, it's time for, the, for, uh, uh, for some coffee. And they bring the coffee around. And all of a sudden, it hits the jolt again, and the, the flight attendant spills coffee on you. And it's hot coffee, and it burns, okay? And you're like, what on earth? You're the same person that gave me this thing, and you told me it's going to be a better flight if I put this on, and now look what's happening. That sounds a little bit like life, okay? And you think, yeah, Josiah agrees. And so, like, uh, you're thinking, okay, you know, I, I, I accepted the Lord. I'm a Christian. You know, I put this on, and it seems like everything should be going great for me now. And what a lot of people do is this. You know, I've tried that. It's not working. Forget it. I'll try something else. Okay? Now, that's one scenario. Let me give you a different scenario. Let's say the flight attendant came along. You could tell there's some problems with the flight already. This been, it, was a rocky, it was a rocky flight. It was a rough flight. And you could tell something bad was happening. Maybe you even looked out the window, and one of the engines was on fire. And the flight attendant came along and said, Sir or ma'am, put this parachute on because this plane is going to be going down. At a certain point, we're going to open the doors and you're going to be able to jump out to safety. You'll be glad you had that. At that point, it wouldn't matter what was spilled on you, how much turbulence there was from that point on, whoever fell on you, it wouldn't matter 
you had your parachute and you'd be happy for it, right? You would not, you'd be clinging to that thing for dear life to the very end and, and you'd be happy to use it. You see the difference? Okay? You see, a lot of people approach life that, look, I'm going to try God because if I try God, then everything will go better for me. And then when things don't go better, what do they do? Well, forget God, I'm going to try something else, right? Where other people say, you know, <laughs> I realize that ultimately I got to cling to God because he's the only one that's going to see me through all of this and that's where I'm going to find safety in the end and no matter what, I'm hanging on to that truth for dear life. And all of us can identify with that because I can tell you we all have stories of the turbulence in the flight that you've been on. Don't you? We all have stories of that. And so that's the way it was with Joseph. Joseph came to a point in his heart where his settled persuasion was, I'm going to hang on to my God no matter what happens. And I know that that's the only thing that's going to matter in the end. And that's what's going to see me through. This hill, though high, I covet to ascend. The difficult will not me offend. For I perceive the way to life lies here. Come pluck up heart, lest neither faint nor fear. Better through difficult, the right way to go, than wrong through ease, where the end is woe. And that's John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress. Great allegory. And so Joseph was sold as a slave to Potiphar, the head of Pharaoh's personal security force, a highly trusted official in the government of Egypt. And we see here that he's called a prosperous man. And, and, and initially you might be thinking, well, that's talking about Potiphar. But then no, it's, it, it, we, we come to the realization it's talking about Joseph. And so today the message in the 15 minutes we have left is this. What were the keys to Joseph's prosperity? What were the keys to his prosperity? Well, let's continue reading there. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of, uh, of an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had uh, brought him down thither. And the Lord is with Joseph, and he prospered. This really goes along with Sunday school this morning. If, if you were here, you'll realize that the Lord was with Joseph. Number one key to his prosperity. No matter what went, out and went on in his life, no matter what else happened, the Lord was with Joseph. I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I am with you all the way to the end of the earth. No matter what kind of problems you have in life, I am with you, my son. I am with you, my daughter. Joseph, I am with you right now as a slave in the injustice of what's going on in your life and the, in the, in the uh, difficulty of what you're enduring right now. I am with you right there, Joseph. I am with you. That was the first key to his prosperity. What would you be willing to give up today as a trade for God being with you? If you have lived the reality of that, of coming to that truth, of, of that you walk with God and God's presence is a reality in your life, what would you trade for that? And if you've truly experienced that, you would say, nothing. <laughs> I would never trade anything for that. And that's the truth that Joseph came to. I mean, I know you can see it throughout his whole life after this. You can see it over and over again. This was tried. This, was, this had to be proven and borne out in his life. 
This wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. This is a truth he had to come to, and he had to stand on that bedrock through all kinds of situations. Through all kinds of situations. And so, blank or the presence of the Lord in my life? Which one is it? Which would you choose? Is there anything that you'd put in that blank? Joseph would. You know, Joseph's ordeal was probably worse than, than what most of us has gone through. Maybe not all of us. But it's probably worse than what most of us have gone through. If you study the life of Joseph and the injustices in his life. Yet God did not abandon him even for a moment. If God allowed Joseph to be a slave, then he would be a successful man even as a slave. We often complain to God that he puts us through terrible or difficult uh, 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 situations. Yet God's will is that we trust him to bless us and make us successful as he measures success wherever we are. And so the presence of God, the presence of God, what an astounding truth. Joseph was a successful man because of the presence of God in his life. Young men, how do you define success? And young men, are you truly interested, above all, having the presence of God in your life? I tell you what, that's where the power is. A real man walks with God. A man that is what life is supposed to be as a man loves God and enjoys his presence in his life. Number two, what made Joseph a prosperous man? Joseph's master saw his testimony. Not only, did, not only did theoretically Joseph have God's presence in his life, but in a real fashion that was visible, he had his presence in his life. You know, it's going to be evident in your life whether God's presence is a reality or not. That's going to be evident. I mean, you might talk about that. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in God. Yes, God is with me. But how does that translate to real life in ways that people can see visibly? I mean, if Joseph had gone around there, you know, and had a chip on his shoulder because his brothers had beat him up and, and gotten rid of him and everything, and he kind of went through the motions, got it done, but he's just angry and muttering and sputtering, complaining, and, and uh, this isn't fair. He could say all day long that he had God's presence in his life and that he believed in God, but were people going to really buy it? They're going to be like, well, you know, if that's what it's all about, I'm not really interested. Because that's how most people handle it anyways. But it says here in verse 3, and his master, look at this, saw that the Lord was with him. He didn't just hear that the Lord was with him. He saw that the Lord was with him. Now look, I know we have problems, okay? I've got them and you've got them. But through your difficulties, do people see that the Lord is with you? Do people see that? I mean, there was something about Joseph's demeanor here. After he went through this pit of breaking and this journey to Egypt, where he came to the end of himself and he stood with God, when people looked at him, they said, you know, there's something different about that man right there. And it's evident that God's presence is with him. To the fact that, I mean, look, how many, how many, how many slaves do you think that, 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 that Potiphar had along the way? Probably a whole bunch. One of the most important men, the most powerful nation in the world. How many of you do you think that he stopped and took personal notice of? I don't know. Probably different ways he did. But there was something about Joseph where he saw and said, man, you know, that, that guy, that Hebrew, I heard they have a God that they trust in there. And I think he talks about trusting in that God. 
Man, I, I, I can see that in him. I can see that in his demeanor, in, in his work ethic, in his attitude. I can see that in his spirit. And the Bible says Joseph was successful. It says he was successful. Right there, he was successful. And so, what God was doing in Joseph's life was seen by those around him. Not as a disingenuous, you know, we use, might use mundane per, uh, terminology like he was just kissing up to authority or just trying to, you know, get an angle for his own way. Authority can see through that, right? When it's, when it's disingenuous. No, it, it, was, it, was, it was genuine. A genuine Godward orientation that translated to real life. By his trust in God, diligent work, and blessing from God, Joseph showed Potiphar, from what we could understand in that culture, he'd be a godless man. He showed him who God was and that God was real to him, not just a theory. Not just a theory. You see, because as Christians, many times we are practical atheists. We're not positional atheists, but we're practical atheists. Because our position is that we trust God, but practically that doesn't bear itself out. But that's not the way it was with Joseph. And it says here again in the same verse, and the Lord was with him. Joseph's master saw, and the Lord was with him. And think of the contrast between Joseph and, and his brothers. The brothers were not sold as slaves and slept in their own beds among their own families. But they weren't free, were they? Do you think they were free after they did that to Joseph? <laughs> did it seem like they were free the next time they met Joseph many years later? They weren't free all those years. What a tragic thing. Now Joseph, the one who was sold and was a slave, he's free. He's free. Even, and I'm jumping ahead of the story a little bit here, even once he's in prison a little later on here, he's still free. I mean, look at Joseph, he's at peace. And uh, God is still using him. And so freedom, really, it's, it's in our hearts, in our relationship with God, um, even if it's not physically uh, true. The third thing that we can see of Joseph's prosperity, a key to Joseph's prosperity is that Joseph served. And look at verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, in his master's sight, and he, what's the next word? He served him. Now, serving is one of the most Christ-like things that we can do. Because Jesus was a servant. He was the epitome of a servant. He was equal with God, being God the Son. Yet, he came and he served us. He was a servant. And part of what it mentions about Joseph, a prosperous man, a successful man, is that he served. He served. You know, this would be a, a, this would be a, a tough proving ground for character here. <laughs> I've got to serve this guy. I've got to serve this guy that, that bought me like a, like a, 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 like a, like a, a piece of property. I gotta serve this guy who has no interest in me beyond just a, a you know, just a, a something to use for his purposes, just an object. I gotta serve him, but he did, and God calls him prosperous because he was a servant. You know, Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, do you know how old he was from last uh, the last message? 
remember? Yeah, 17 years old. When Pharaoh promoted him, he was 30 years old. Joseph was in prison for two years before he was promoted. All right? So that tells you that he was in Potiphar's house, if you do the math, 11 years, right? 30 minus 2 puts you at 28. And then from 17 to 28, that's 11 years. So he was in Potiphar's house for 11 years. We, we tend to think of it as just, you know, just like a few weeks. He was there for quite a while. <laughs> and, you know, time isn't the same as, as it is to God. It took 11 years for the full measure of God's blessing to be accomplished in Joseph's life. I mean, shouldn't it be, okay, I went through that trial. I, I, I said, Lord, I'm going to serve you with my life now. I, I, I've come to my end myself. Shouldn't it be instantaneous that we've just arrived now? God says, no, I still got a lot I got to teach you through this, Joseph. I got to keep you here in Potiphar's house for 11 years for you to learn some important lessons before I really promote you. And through those 11 years, man, you can be like, you can be chafing and you can be, oh man, you can be kicking at that thing and, and you can be, I don't want this. And you can be you know, withering under the fire instead of being purified. And, and you can have all kinds of reactions. But God's just saying, look, look, would, would you just trust me? I've got this. Stick with me. I mean, you can't see where I'm taking you yet. You can't see how I'm going to use you to save many people alive, Joseph. You can't see that yet. But just stick with me right here. I've got a personal plan for you. I know your name. I know where you are. Be successful by trusting me. And so 11 years must have seemed like a long time. Separated from family. You may think uh, if advancement is from God, it must come quickly. Sometimes this is the case, but, but not normally. Normally, God allows good things to develop slowly. You know, it's like that, it's like that meal, it's like that, uh, that, that pork we cooked over at, the, on, uh, at Lake Georgia a couple weeks ago, right? I was over there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and Brother Dave put that in the, in the cooker there, and, and just had the, he had that little machine just turn that one revolution every minute. You know, and then it just turned all those minutes until we ate at what? 2 o'clock? Six hours later, you know? Cooked a that wasn't a microwave job there, was it? You could tell by the way it tasted, right? That wasn't something that was thrown in the microwave. That was through a process. And that's kind of the way it is in our lives, too. You know, we, we, want, we want things quickly. But God says, you know, I'm just going to do this to perfection in your life. i got a plan for you. I know where all the puzzle pieces fit so that it comes out right. And that takes time. You can't just take the puzzle pieces and just jam them all together there and expect something to come out for God, you know, something beautiful. you got to put the, each, each puzzle piece in its place. And God, you know, many times he's the only one that knows where that next piece goes. We want to grab it and we just, we just want to cram it in where we want it. God said, no, no. Take it easy, pal. This is where that goes. Then the next one, then the next one, and it comes together for the picture that God has for our life that only He could make. That only He could make. And uh, human children have the longest development time, both in the womb and in childhood, com uh, compared to, to, uh, uh, to any other uh, creature, to all the, the animals. In the world of plants, it takes many years for an acorn to become an oak, while a squash might grow almost overnight. That was a good comparison there. Oak tree versus squash. I don't know. It worked for me. <laughs> Last point is that Joseph carried God's blessing. Joseph carried God's blessing. Look at verse uh, number five. This is a came to pass from 
the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Isn't that interesting? He blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord is upon all that he had in the house and in the field. That is an astounding truth. And it makes me think, you know, does God's blessing go with me into the context in which I go? Are other places blessed because I'm carrying God's blessing to those places? Who was the loser when Joseph was extracted from Potiphar's house unjustly and thrown in prison? Potiphar was. You know why? Because he had removed one through which his house was being blessed. It's astounding. It's remarkable. And, you know, I, I, would, I, would, say, I would say that it's kind of sad that it seems as though that ultimately Potiphar trusted Joseph more than in his own wife. Because, do you know that, that if, if Potiphar had really believed his wife's accusations towards Joseph, you know what would have happened to Joseph? He just would have, he would have been killed. Okay, you study about that culture, they wouldn't have just put him in prison for that. All right? <laughs> Potiphar got Joseph out of the way as a matter of convenience. Because he just didn't want to fight that battle. You know what I mean? But what he did was, instead of really dealing with the issue with integrity and working through that in a way that would have kept the blessing, he got rid of the blessing for convenience sake. Do we ever do that in our culture? Get rid of blessing for convenience sake? That happens millions and millions of times in our culture. People get rid of blessings from, for convenience sake. Joseph carried the blessing with him. Now, you think, okay, at this point, surely the rest of the story is going to be he lived happily ever after. Well, he did, kind of. But as he had this, this from this, this pit of breaking to these prosperous beginnings, there's always going to be what happened next. It's, it's always going to be factored in. Because what we're going to see next time is that, that those prosperous beginnings were tested. And there was a temptation, a very particular temptation that came that sought to undermine the whole thing. And there's always going to be that for everybody that seeks the presence of the Lord. It happened to the first human being. It's happened to every human being since. It'll happen to you. It happened to Joseph. And there's unique lessons to be learned from it there. So we'll come back for that uh, next time. Let's pray.